All right. Welcome, everyone, to a victory edition of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that just beats the Dolphins by three. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, we are going to, of course, start the game uh, or start the game, start the <laughs> podcast with the uh, with the how great was it, Scott, that the Bills decided to win by three in honor of DeMar Hamlin and have a three in their score and make the Dolphins have a three in their score. I mean, just truly, I mean, highest level football, really, if you think you about could, it. It's you just have, you, know. you couldn't have drawn it up if you tried, right? <laughs> nope. Um, and the game no, took and, three uh, full days, so even better. It, it did. John, oh, my God. Uh, the lo- I think it was the longest not-overtime game the Bills had played other than the Chiefs game last year where there was lightning, or two years ago where there was lightning. Um, and that was a delay. And so it is the longest undelayed non-overtime yeah. game in there, Bills there history. There were no big injuries. There were no carts out on the field. There were no long reviews of anything. It was just the game that would not end. Um, it was, I don't know. Have, did you guys see the little, did I send you the little video of uh, Mike, Mc, Mike McDaniel, who was like surreptitiously reaching into his fist and clearly vaping? Oh, no. Um, oh. oh, yeah. No, he... He clearly is vaping, and and the, the the scuttlebutt, of course, is like it might not have been tobacco if like he there was so much trouble getting the plays off on time, um, because, and and you know, but we have a lot to cover in this in this three hour saga that was was Bills Dolphins, um, you know they they jump out to a, a 17, 17 nothing lead is that yes, right? Yes, sir. It was fourteen. Yeah, and it, sh- it was almost twenty one. I feel like if they had gotten to twenty one nothing, honestly, I'll just start here. Um, it might have been the game that we thought it was going to be. I think that the first little blink was the the field goal, and then they just sort of started to play a little goofy. Um, I will readily admit there was some goofiness in the play. Um, I will also say that I think the Dolphins really capitalized as much as they could, and that I was more impressed by Skylar Thompson than his stat line would, would have indicated. Um I don't think he was like good by any stretch, but he 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 played kind of not as awful as as everybody thought he would. Um, and the Dolphins, of course, with a lot of pride, hang around and <clears throat> take a second half lead. And and before you know it, you have to you have to kind of squeak out another one against a division rival. Thirty four thirty one though, three points was all you needed. Uh, let's go to paul first because i'm fairly certain scott and i are going to get in an argument about josh allen and so we'll let paul we'll let paul get started and then we'll see what happens next yes frank frank and i were only sniping at each other uh, at a mild to moderate basis whereas i have a feeling frank and i did i did get a little fed up with you and i'm sorry and no, i was just like i, th- I think paul's it's- tweet you you guys can go online and judge for yourself but i feel like when when things get tight Paul immediately goes to, why are we all here? The universe is terrible. God doesn't exist. And this team is never going to do anything right. <laughs> See? And, and I'm... <laughs> I was saying, I would counter... Oh, no, sorry. With, um... you, wouldn't say, you wouldn't say God doesn't exist. You would say God is punishing me in the bills, I think is probably more fair. Right. But anyway, continue. Put counter. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I will note my tweets are like, massively disappoint half, but bills leave it with the lead. I, just, you know, I feel like I'm realistic, but I also know that... <laughs> I feel like this is in this, and I'm going to get to the game. I'm going to keep my recap brief just because I'm about to go off here. Um, 
like when we watched the Bills Dolphins game together, we there we all got along great. I think the limits of us having to communicate via like WhatsApp messaging and yes. 140 or 210, 280, whatever character it is, tweets. It limits what I can get in there. So I try and present a balanced view, and then Frank might take umbrage with something, and then uh, then we're just being dicks left and right to each other. But the game, uh, yeah, I'll make it quick. Dolphins, I I agree 100% with Frank. I think if the Dawson Knox uh, potential second touchdown does not get overturned, which it should have been, it was not a catch, uh, 21-0, I think the Dolphins have a harder time making it a game. But, yeah, things got wonky from there. The Dolphins – did scheme very well when they realized the cover zero wasn't working. They started to give some looks that really took Stefan Diggs away. And even on plays where they weren't doubling him, it looked at the game like they were doubling him. And that got Josh to look away from him. Josh did start to press in the middle of the game where we got to see a little bit of that uh, bad Josh sneak in. The interceptions, I don't think were his fault. Uh, I think the fumbles, he had to have better awareness on those. The second fumble that it could have cost them the game had it not been recovered by, I think, Spencer Brown would have given the Dolphins the ball in Bills territory with a three-point deficit, uh, I think, in the last five minutes of the game or so. You know, that was that was big. But he also came through with – you can't ignore the first part of the game and how he was in the early fourth quarter where he was as exceptional as we've seen him be. And if he can carry that through for a full game like he did with the Patriots game last year, then the, any Bills game, I feel, can almost be a runaway. It just gets more difficult now because you're facing teams like – uh, Cincinnati, and if they progress beyond there, you're probably looking at Kansas City. Yeah, they progress beyond there, you're probably what, San Francisco, Philly. Like, we, it was funny before the wild card round, we were assessing, like, okay, who would we want the Bills to play in this first round? Now it's like, it doesn't matter. They're all just going to be fucking juggernauts that you're going to have to play from here on out if you want to absolutely uh, win the whole thing. So, yeah, shaky game. Crazy weird divisional game. Uh, never beat the Dolphins by more than three. And the Dolphins never beat us by more than two in the three games this season. Uh, we saw the same thing with Cincy Baltimore, that their game was within a touchdown. And and what a touchdown it was uh, that was the difference in that game. And, you know, overall, I, I think they escaped. I think it was better in some ways to have such a flawed game than a perfect game where now you might go in thinking you're invincible like the 51 to three bills might have done in super bowl 25 not saying they did and so yeah that's that's pretty much my overall take on the game all right scott let me have it all right so i think i guess if i'm i'll review i'll review the game the, the, the way that i'm setting up all right so let's go through the like the units of the game Right. Who, who could have played better in this game where we were heavy favorites playing a third string quarterback at home who'd only been starting for a, a couple weeks at most um, with a team that, you know, had had been relying heavily on their offense and their defense not been good. And we still, again, win by three points at home in the game. You're so who could have played better? All right. So linebackers, could they have really played that better? I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe I think they, there was one like dropped interception, but like that's that's not the you're digging people for dropping interceptions in the linebacker. That's kind of ticky tack. Um, the defense in general, I think, played pretty well. Yes, there were some open receivers, and that's problematic. Um, but they also came up with at least what was it, two interceptions and a fumble? I think at least two turnovers. Yeah, and and if you look at the um, just to bolster your point, if you look at like their yards per play, it's like less than three. I think like the Dolphins really didn't have to move the ball very far ever. 
yeah, the the incredible defensive stands when dealing with short fields to hold the Dolphins to field goals rather than touchdowns. If the Dolphins had turned any of those into touchdowns, it would have been a really different different game. And they they did eventually start turning them into touchdowns. Um, but yeah, just to be clear, uh, what I was talking about: two hundred thirty one total yards for the Dolphins, which three point three yards per play. Uh, two interceptions for the Dolphins, four sacks. Uh, excuse me, the Bills had seven sacks. Uh, or wait, no, the Bills. No, the Bills had. I'm trying to read this. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, um, but it was yeah. Two, so the, anyway. the Bills, the Bills were sacked seven times, and Skylar Thompson sacked. was sacked four times. Four times. So four, you know, less than 300 yards, two turnovers, four sacks. That's a pretty good offense. They have the offensive defense. Um, the wide receivers. There were a, a couple drops here and there and the receivers in general, but in general, like, you know, again, we had guys making plays, you know, Steph Diggs gets open for, um, for some big plays. Gabe Davis comes alive, you know, it nice to see, you know, big game, Gabe Davis, whatever you want to call him. Like he was there, he, he did it. It was, would have been nice to see it a couple other times this year, Gabe. Um, but he was there, he did it. Um, sure. The run game, you know, didn't do a ton. Um, but Singletary still had 4.8 yards of carry and Cook had the big, um, touchdown run. Um, the I, I think you can definitely say that the offensive line could have played better and, and needed to play better and will need to play better against um, good pass rushing teams like the Bengals and you know the, the Chiefs if and when we get there. Um, but so they needed to play better, and I'll 100% say the line needed to play better. But it, uh, but if you're looking at in general who needed to play better on Sunday, Josh Allen needed to play better. Like I, I got that the interceptions are not totally on him. Um, certainly the Beasley one, I will say, obviously is not going to be a ton on, on Allen and, and Beasley's got to catch it with his hands. Um, so that's, that's definitely on Beasley. The, the, the pass to Brown, you want to dog John Brown for not, not like throwing a ball, not getting in the face of defender when the ball's thrown to the defender more than it is to Brown. Like, okay, but maybe we should just not throw it to the defenders as much. And again, too many risks being taken not enough checkdowns to guys who are open when you need to just keep the ball moving and keep yourself on the field. Um, poor decisions running the ball, which normally, again, he is, he's never run an option style quarterback. Um, he, he rides a lot on instincts um, or the design runs. And then sometimes when his instincts are bad or he gets confused or things aren't working well, he doesn't make good decisions when he's running the ball. And the Dolphins certainly are ready for that, having seen that three times. Now, maybe the Bengals won't see that as much. Because they haven't, you know, they you know, obviously only played him for a quarter this year, so maybe they'll be won't won't be ex, as understanding of how to deal with the Josh Allen experience kind of um, that the Dolphins will be. But I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are pretty familiar with the Josh Allen experience at this point, having played him like five times in the last three years. So um, I'm worried that if he doesn't play better, we're going to lose. And I, and I got it. Yes, he gets credit for the the good stuff, but he gets blamed for the bad stuff. And he's got to play better for us to get to where we need to go. I didn't think he needed to be Magic Unicorn level, you know, five last week. I thought we just needed point five. I was maybe I was being a little optimistic, and the offensive line could have been doing a better job. But with him, you know, pressing and getting up in his head and all that stuff, it just makes it harder for the Bills to win. And my last point, I got it. He's, he's throwing for three hundred yards and three touchdowns. But you know who else threw for three hundred yards and three touchdowns? Brock Purdy. All right. Dak Prescott, other guys who did not turn the ball over two or three, you know, two or three times on Sunday. So, like, it is possible to throw for 300 yards and three mm. touchdowns and not turn the ball over three, three times. So, it, it, these things happen in the league with, with other 
good quarterbacks, and Josh Allen can do. He did it last year. He's he's historically been a, a really a good uh, turnover quarterback, and now he's the quarterback who turns the ball over the most in the NFL. So to say that it's not a problem or that it's not a, you know a, a thing that he has to get better at, I just I don't. To me, that's that's uh, sticking your head in the sand. So I will stop. You were so close. I was on board with so much of that until the end. Um, and then you're just like, he's not Brock Purdy. Ugh. I, <laughs> so you, know, you basically you know, whatever. No, you said you'd stop. I get to characterize you any way I want now. Um, so I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kidding. Okay. Um, you know, I agree with a lot of that. So let's start there. I think that you identified the thing that probably needed to be better. And to me, the interceptions, not so much his fault from a, a placement or technical standpoint, because I do think John Brown, do, John Brown doesn't finish that, that run. That's another one of those cover zero blitzes, if I remember right. And he's like trying to launch it. And that's kind of what is he's expecting single coverage out there. And, and he wants to give his receiver a chance to play the ball. And then with the, the, the Beasley one, I mean, I guess they could come out earlier. The, the scoop and score 100% on the line, even Josh Allen cannot do anything when he turns around and the guy's already smashing him. Um, so to me, like it's it's his guy. He's in charge of knowing where the safety in, is. The quarterback. The, sa- the line can't. The no. line doesn't account for safety. The quarterback accounts for safety. But the his head is turned the other way, so he's expecting the safety to not come in, and the running back who's running that way doesn't say or do anything. So I don't. I I or the receiver who's there. It's a, what I'm saying is it's a good call from from the 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 Dolphins. They they did an awesome blitz that is just sort of like smashed it out of his hand. I don't know. I don't I don't know what else he was supposed to do. I suppose other than you're saying pre re pre snap he should have read that as a blitz and changed the protection. Blitz and and either change the protection, on the ball quicker, or be prepared. <laughs> You know, he is capable of shrugging off a safety if he knows it's coming and doing the step forward, the off-balance. He's great at that. Well, he, he ob- what I'm saying is he obviously had no sense that it was coming. So Clearly. it's Clearly. it's his mistake from from that. Per- okay, if that's supposed to be read, then it's, it's his mistake from that perspective. I meant it from a perspective of he clearly didn't know it was coming and it wasn't like a typical Josh Allen fumble where like, how did you not – why did you stick the ball out forward or whatever he does, you know? So it was like, it wasn't that kind of thing. I think with the interceptions and some of the the missed big plays, you know, like, you know, you you can look at the Shakir pass that gets dropped and say, well, he had a guy wide open 15 yards down the field that would have made it. He also hit Shakir in the hands who basically caught it, uh, but for like a a smidgen of an inch. And that's a 45-yard, you know, reception or a 50-yard reception, I think. And so it is the buster boom. Uh, play that he went for maybe more times than he needed to because certainly on both interceptions there were other guys other places he could have gone the the Dolphins had a dedicated spy on him I think absolutely it's the product of seeing him three times that his in that his runs didn't work as well the design run worked perfectly this is the design run that got them down to the one yard line uh, was a a fourth and whatever or a third and whatever and and Mm -hmm. he absolutely Mm -hmm picked up double what he needed on that designed run. So I, I think they just had a really good, you know, the, the Dolphins stayed home and, and weren't going to let him get away. And I think, again, that's some of what the, 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 the pass rush was about. You know, 
I'm I'm comfortable with with their treatment of of Thompson. I didn't think he had days and days back there. I know they didn't sack him a bunch, but I think that they were saying, "All right, let's see how many times you can get the ball to wide receivers." Ultimately, yeah, if they don't turn the ball over three or four times, it's a much different game. I think the the Dolphins never the Dolphins had one drive the whole game. Now it was freaky because it looked like they were only going to need the one drive at one point. But the Buffalo Bills were the only team that were going to beat the Buffalo Bills yesterday, and, and unfortunately, they almost did. I, I can accept all of that. I think where I get annoyed is, you know, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are just different types of quarterbacks. Just like Joe, Joe Burrow is a different type of quarterback. Joe Burrow is not going to ever be able to create out of chaos the way that Josh Allen does. Joe Burrow's skill set is, I'm going to throw quicker. I'm going to throw to this read quicker and it's going to keep the drive going. It's also not going to work all the time, just like Josh Allen doesn't work all the time. The difference is when Josh Allen doesn't work, it's a turnover, but when it does work, it's a touchdown. And to me, I don't want to like, I don't want to look and say like, God, we've wanted a, we've wanted a dog all this time. Bill's fans have been asking for a dog and we finally got a great dog. And now I'm mad that it's not a golden retriever. It's like, that's who he is. That's the buy-in. If what we're saying is Josh Allen is, you know, I, I agree. Josh Allen has had perfect games and I think he's going to have perfect games again. I'm just saying, this is the game. This is what you're going to get out of Josh Allen. This is probably a little worse than the game. I'll, I'll say that this is even not what, you know, but like if he comes out of the a game with, with three or four touchdowns and two turnovers, I bet we won that game. And I, I am going to sign up for that all the time because I think that that's what it's going to be. I think you're going to get 40. We didn't really talk about season ending stuff, but like he's the same guy as he was last year in 17 games. He wasn't the same guy as in 2020. 2020 was the aberration. It was, it was a massive MVP caliber year. Now he's an MVP caliber because he's kind of in the neighborhood with the other guys. This is it. He's going to be this guy. He's going to be this guy. And so, I guess what I'm not interested in is it's not that you're wrong. It's just that like, if we keep waiting for him to have and beating him up every time, and not that you beat him up, but like if, 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 if as a fan base more so than you in particular, Scott, but if I have to go and read every fucking week about how he turns the ball over from bills fans who are mad at him, that he's not perfect every week. It's like, you just don't get who he is. Okay. We had Tyrod Taylor. You don't want to have turnovers. Go get Tyrod Taylor. Tyra Taylor's great at not turning the ball over. He also can't score fucking points. So, you know, bless his heart. You know, that, that that's just where I'm at. I'm like, he, Allen is, Allen's this guy. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. And for me, you know, you're, you're not in this position if you don't have Allen. I understand that like, and maybe that makes him not the best quarterback in the NFL, but I don't know. I'm very happy with him. And I think he plays like the best quarterback in the NFL plenty. So I'm, I'm about it. Now, when we get to this Bengals game later in the day, later in the pod, uh, we're going to, we're going to have to uh, have to talk about that because I think, you know, maybe taking care of the ball will be a, a bigger issue against a better team as has been laid out. But we have spent plenty of time on this game and we've got shit tons to get to, including a special surprise at the end of the podcast. So Scott, I need three stars and I need them stat. <laughs> Uh, did Paul want to say anything? Or, or nope, I'm done with this game. Nope, on to the Bengals. On to the Bengals. Excuse me. Uh, so yes, 
I will give a um, a third star to Zach Sealer, who I feel like I got a star. I gave him a star earlier in the season too. But this guy, like again, like Christian Wilkins, he also uh, is clearly a very talented guy. But I feel like I don't hate Zach Sealer, and I kind of hate Christian Wilkins. Yes, he's sick, and he's yes. in Alan's face, and he's a punk. And I'm sure I'd be saying different things if he's a Bill, but he's not. So fuck it. Um, so, but Zach Sealer, um, you know, two sacks, um, four QB hits, um, kind of consistently kind of, um, taking advantage, um, recovered the fumble, um, just, uh, you know, again, the Dolphins defense, um, they, yes, some of this is on Allen. Some of it is credit to the Dolphins defense, though, uh, just to be clear, the Dolphins did fire their defensive coordinator today for not being good enough at doing defensive things. So it's not like they're that good, but okay. Anyway, um, but we'll move on, and I will say uh, your uh, your second star will go to um, – I'm going to give it to Gabe Davis. Six catches, mm. 113 yards. Playoff Gabe touchdown. Davis, yes. 100%. He's a different – evidently a different guy. Um, <laughs> it, it's just a little – it's a little frustrating to not see it um, more uh, kind of consistently, but when it's here – I'm here for it. Yep, he's he's the man. Looks like you've gone silent briefly, Scott. But yeah, I was really pleased to see that uh, Davis yes. Davis stepped up, able to keep his toes in on what uh, lots of great catches, at least three great catches and no drops. I I thoroughly agree. I mean, he just he had his 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 big moment, and hopefully, a big game gave a uh, game Gabe is back. Scott, if you are still trying to talk we cannot hear you you may need to disconnect and reconnect for some internet issues and it looks like he's doing that so we're going to be in a little bit of suspense why don't you and i talk about the wild card because of course the Bengals won they beat the ravens in a close game um i think the most remarkable game though jaguars from the afc side of course they they um they beat the the chargers in in dramatic fashion because the chargers much like the Dolphins defensive coordinator Paul just like they couldn't learn. Yeah, they couldn't learn. That was, it was such an easy, so many easy adjustments they could have made throughout that. It was one of those where even as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, why am I wasting my time with this? Because twenty-seven nothing. But I also felt like I don't feel like like the Chargers are being that dominant. They're just getting a lot of turnovers right now. They won the turnover battle five to nothing. But when you win the turnover battle five to nothing and you lose by two points, you are clearly the inferior team to me. And I don't think they had the talent. It frightens me a little bit with Jacksonville that maybe, you know, because uh, the Bills have to play them next year, uh, which we'll worry about another time. Or maybe as soon as next week, as soon as we'll as have to see. Week. Yeah, you never know. Um, but yeah, what a what a just a phenomenal comeback there. Uh, you know, I think that was easily the most exciting game. You're right. Uh, I don't want to go through each game. I just want to mention the, the couple of big things. Obviously, the Cincy game, we're going to talk so much more about Cincy later but you know 17 17 third and goal from the two or inside the inside the two closer to the one actually and tyler huntley leaps over the pile he gets in it's 24 to 17 you know ravens instead he fumbles it guy takes it back 98 yards 24 17 Bengals, and that's the final no one scored after that so what a, a game-changing play very reminiscent of what happened to the bills against the niners in the late 90s when Derek holmes fumbled inside the one and yeah the niners ran it all the way back and for Ravens fans, probably reminiscent of their last playoff game against Buffalo, yeah, where they Ron were Johnson. going in to score and and through the the pick six. Now I want to see if Scott is available. Scott, are you? All right, Scott, you seem like you're back. 
He's back, but he's still very quiet. And I'm not hearing Scott. He's, he's gone on mute now. Can... No, he's, he's gone. So uh, he's given up again. Okay. But again, the other game I wanted to mention. Uh, congrats to Brian Dable again in the Giants for knocking yeah. off the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, or as we call them, the uh, or as I call them, I want to pin on the the Fraud Kings, the team with a Nate. They are the fr- goes 13 and four and makes the playoffs with a negative point differential. Um, to go against the Giants team, this was supposed to be the Giants 2018 year. Like the, by that, I mean, how the Scott, if you can talk, just start talking. If at any point, Scott, you can talk, just talk. Yep. We'll let I'm you know talk. if we hear you. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. yeah. We can hear yes, you. we can. All right. Well, let's leave the Vikings there because they are frauds and let's yep. get to our first star. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, and I will just say the three third, the first star goes to a trio of players, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, and Kyer Elam. Um, Edmonds and Milano, we know about, um, yeah. another, another, um, you know, another great game for them. Um, you know, again, Edmonds, I think we've been, I've been, I know I've been down on the past. I think he's played better this year. I think the stats, um, prove that out. I think though that, uh, this game is another win. I think he had four pass deflections, um, again, kind of all over the middle of the field, Matt Milano, uh, two sacks, um, you know, again, good in coverage, um, you know, good in the run game. Um, you know, leader of the defense, and then Kyrie Elam stepping up big. It's going to, you know, it's again, we didn't do end of the season stuff, but it's been an up and down year for Elam, obviously, mm-hmm. with, you know, got to be weird as a first round pick and everyone have these huge expectations. There's an undrafted rookie now starting ahead of you, um, but then you got you got to come in, but then that guy comes back, and now Jane Jackson gets hurt, and it's the playoffs, and you got Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle, and they're in front of you, and you're, you're trying to, you're, you're, you're thrown in, and then to come up with a, a big pick. That really, I want to say, like, I don't know what was going to, you never know what's going to happen in a game as things become something different. But if you didn't get that pick, I don't know how this game's going to end. It, it was, it was yeah. not really looking, it was not feeling good when, when that when that was happening. And he made a big play. It was a terrible decision by Thompson, um, who otherwise, I think, did yeoman's work to try and keep, keep the Miami in this game as long as he did, um, frankly. But uh, Kyrie Elam was the better of him in that play and, and a really pivotal one. And so congrats to him for that. Those are your three stars. Sorry. No, don't no apologies necessary. We we briefly touched on the wild card, and since we were so packed, I kind of just want to move on. Mm-hmm. We'll let the NFC take care of itself. Um, uh, Ken Dorsey getting interviewed by the Panthers on Saturday for the for the Colts job, right? Which I will um, make. No, that's the Panthers job. Name for for on Saturday, but I want to bitch about that in five seconds, which is to say, why not Monday? Why don't? Why would you schedule that for Saturday? I do not like the offensive coordinator interviewing the day before a giant play. Yeah. I feel like they did that last year. I feel like it's kind of par for yeah. the course with some of this stuff, but I'm with you. I, I, you know, at least it's not college where like literally coaches have quit before bowl games right? <laughs> and taken a new job, but you know, we'll see what Ken Dorsey does. Um, I think we should talk more. That, that's just a, a note to Bene for you, if you will. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more if, if he ends up getting a new job. Um, I'm trying to find the Bills injury report. I know Jordan Poyer didn't practice today, but there was nobody worse than limited overall, I think, right. in the walkthrough yeah, yesterday. Even, even Poyer's uh, limited. He was listed as uh, DNP today, unlike limited yesterday, but the DNP was for a vet rest, which means he was just was a veteran rest day. Yesterday, he was limited with the knee injury. And yeah, no one's worse than limited. We don't have, we, we know Hyde's not uh, going to be playing. We don't know about uh, the the Benford and Crowder uh, situations yet. I'm going to assume they're not playing unless otherwise told. But with everyone nowhere right. limited, with with McKenzie now being 
in the full practice list, that could really help, uh, you know, take some pressure off Shakir on the receiving end. Um, you know, it's it, it can't ask for much more. And I think weeks ago. I was just going to say, I'm really sort of pleased that Dane Jackson was a full pre- uh, mm-hmm. person because uh, he um, obviously injured towards the end of that Bills game. And I, the I don't think the defense took the field again after he he left. So we didn't get a really good read on whether he was okay or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to see he was limited and then and then full. And so presumably, if he's full, he's going to play because you know there's not much else to be right to be playing for and, right and now. Of pal. course, Elon so. starts ahead of him and takes every snap. Maybe that'll happen. We'll we'll find out. And gets 600 interceptions. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Or I tell um, for three. What else do we? Three interceptions would probably do it. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, Listener questions. Oh yeah, you, you, you type that all out for me. Yeah, listener questions. There's like a billion. Yeah. What? Oh God. I know. These people are endless. All right, let me do these. Let me. Do... <laughs> no, we're very happy. MNY bills. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, okay. It's it's like the Steven show. Okay, we got the Steven show coming super, up. Very good. We got John Matrix. Um, yeah, we got a, we got something to address here. So let me let me read these out, and then you can rest your vocal cords for this day in Bill's headlines, mm-hmm. and then we will move on to our our preview with with a special special twist. Um, John Matrix, um, there is no t- spoon. Uh, J- McDermott's time out. Time, I believe this is supposed to be McDermott's time out, not time hour usage. Was not ideal last week. I'm starting to get worried. If anyone on the team blinks, it's the coach. Don't need to remind everyone what happened last year. I think we do need to remind everyone what happened last year. Do you guys think McDermott might hold back this team from reaching their heights? John, uh, you've brought up uh, a story that I feel like comes out every year with this with uh, McDermott, and I'll say the same thing I say every time. First of all, I'll fully agree with you. Coach was not on his game with his timeouts. Now, that said, um, I think when you're looking at it from his perspective and he doesn't have the right personnel or, or whatever, but like the timing of those timeouts, like just couldn't have been worse the way that like, uh, you know, bad plays would have resulted or what, or whatnot. Um, so I'll agree with you. The timeout game was off, but Sean McDermott has gotten better every year that he's been a head coach. Every year that he's been a head coach, he has not made the same mistakes as before. He didn't get locked into needing a defensive uh, profile for the team. He, you know, didn't have the same issue. You know, they, they, they pursued offense. He, his timeouts and, and whatnot got better. His challenges have been a lot better this year. Um, I think on the whole, he gets better all the time. I think he had the same bad day that Josh Allen had, uh, last week. And I would sort of assume that he's going to largely put them in the, in the best, best place to, to win, because I feel like even though the timeout management is glaring and we can see it it's like the smallest part of what he does all week with the team and and this team is good this team has been held together through truly i've not seen a season like this for an nfl team between the snow and the games moved and the the dead person on the field who was then brought back to life i've never seen a team handled like this and he necessarily get some of this credit so no i don't think so i think he's going to put his team in position to beat cincinnati this week and it will be up to them to execute it i'd be really surprised if it comes down to a coaching decision uh scott do you have any thoughts on this 
No. Okay. No. All right. Oh, thank God, Scott. All right. My my one thought <laughs> okay. is largely to uh, agree with Frank. Yes, his game management was definitely lacking on Sunday. I think he had a shit game. I think that happens to people, players, coaches sometimes. Um, and he's had some game management snafus. But uh, I think last year's tough because, again, that was a communication issue. I don't think that's what he wanted to do at the end of the game. And I think, as Frank noted, it's kind of the smallest part. You know, he is, if you watch the mic'd up this week with uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Deion Dawson, Deion Dawson, Deion Dawkins, you see the respect they have for the coach. You see the culture he's helped to build with this team, which sounds like that buzzword until you see it in action. Like, oh, this is actually what a good culture looks like when everyone claims they have one. This is what one is. And I think you have to look at him on the whole and see what he's done to get this team where it is. Uh, but again, fully acknowledge he was shitty with his time management on, on Sunday. Okay. We've got super wants to know, could it be better for the bills to play Kansas city in a dome than play the Jags in the cold? I think this is a, this is a fun question. Um, because I think that, I don't know. I, I would, I would always want to play the lesser team on paper at home over the better team on paper in a dome. I think that offensively, yeah, the bills could probably score more points. I think I would just trust the bills. I think I would want to make the Jaguars show me that they could come up and play in, in 20 degree weather or colder. I think that's what I would end up where I would end up landing. Yes. I think if it'd be an interesting, more interesting question, if Cincinnati was Tennessee of two years ago, when you could say like they're going to run the ball straight at you. And so in some ways the advantage um, to them would have been, you know, maybe even an advantage to them playing outdoors in a neutral site. But given that Cincinnati is, has arguably just as high powered an offense as the bills do, there's no real advantage to being at an indoor kind of track suit. Um, track Sorry. Track I might've, maybe I, maybe I misspoke. I might've misspoke. It's not whether you'd want to play Kansas city in a dome. It's it's whether you want to play Kansas City in Dome or the Jacksonville Jaguars out in the cold. So presuming they were to beat the Bengals, oh, okay. would you rather have the Jaguars at home or allow the Bengals to or, or play Kansas City on the faster track? And I was saying, yeah, give me the give me the Jaguars and make them show me that they can yes, they agreed. can do yeah, something different. That was, that okay. Was- I think the point uh, applies equally is that Kansas City yes. also has the same athletic kind of offense, high-powered potential where there's no real advantage to being uh, for either side to being in a neutral field. So, yes, I'll take the Jaguars as well. Yep. And, and I agree. I will give a hidden nuance, which we won't get into because we got uh, some more pod left. But when he says playing Kansas City in a dome and then playing the Jags in the cold, I could add the twist that if you do end up being fortunate enough to beat the Bengals and then go on to play Kansas City – there could be a concern that you end up feeling like that's your Super Bowl because you're before in front of a crowd that's 40% your fans, 40% their fans, and 20% people are loving football and in the neighborhood, which is kind of what you face in the, the big game that's two weeks after that. Can you get a little too hyped up for that? And if you survive it, uh, does it seem like like you've already played the big game versus a home game against a team that uh, you have, uh, you're a bit more talented than, um, you know? Again, good question to think about on your own because you don't really have time to go through it here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's homework. Uh, Tom jokingly wants to know when there will be an inaugural live broadcast of maybe next year in North London. That is such a touchy subject right now because Scott will be leaving England before that game. Uh, we are going to table that for a later date since that is a next season question. But thank you, Tom. Steven, 
Uh, it wasn't the turnover so much as the long returns, not just on the two picks, but also the punt return. I'm not sure the Dolphins had a drive over 50 yards. They, in fact, had one. Bills D was both lucky and good, especially the secondary. When Miami's receivers weren't dropping passes, Buffalo's DBs were making fantastic pass breakups. I think that's fair. Yep. On the whole, Buffalo's D was fantastic, other than giving up third and 19 and Milano's missed tackle on the fourth and eight. That fourth and eight missed tackle, that's something else because you never see that, no, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't miss that tackle. And mm-hmm. so, you know, good job for making a play. And just whiff on um, it entirely so the guy could just go past him and get the first. Normally, at least slow the guy down. Yeah, very un esque in that one moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all the NFL's high-tech gizmos and attention to Benusha, you'd think they'd have a better way for spotting delay of game. Um, I agree. Yeah. How many times was think... that clock at zero that the Dolphins didn't get called for delay of game? It was a dozen if it was one. It was... It was There's crazy. some... It came up in another game, though, and that wasn't a Bills game, and it's some rule where, like, it gets to zero and then the ref gets to look up and look at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it's not as soon as it hits, it hits zero. Then he looks and if the quarterbacks then take, so it's kind of like zero is the actual last second, right? As opposed to you're out. So I think that that was happening. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super fucking frustrating because it's like, it needed to like, like any one of those would have called might've done the whole thing. Cause that offense was, like always teetering on not being able to do something. And so like any one of those, like getting sent back also not a single holding call, the whole game, the whole game, no holding calls. I that's remarkable to me anyway. Okay. So that, those were Steven's, those were Steven's comments. Thank no you. No holding calls. Uh, you can always, sack. So offensive linemen learn to hold. That's what you, the lesson you should maybe hold a little, Yeah. maybe hold a little. Okay. Uh, you can always get us MNY bills. Let us go to this day in bills headlines and then we will move on. Yeah to the final part of the show. All right. This day in Bill's headlines, it is January 19th. We'll race on through these. We're going to start way back, go in the way back machine to 2022. Uh, Bill's rookie tackle blanks, big man touchdown, a byproduct of big win and hard work. We called the play in the huddle. I obviously knew it was coming, said blank, who was wide open. We got the look we wanted. I just felt redialed in the moment executed the play, caught the ball. And after that, I kind of blacked out. I looked in the crowd, saw how hyped up everyone was. So I figured I might as well go jump in the crowd. Oh, then it's not Kyle Williams. Big man touchdown from 2022. Big man touchdown from 2022 in the playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. Who caught the big man touchdown? Was it the fullback? It was not. It was a rookie tackle. Bill's rookie tackle blank. You said that. Okay. Uh, so they'd be a second year tackle now. Yep. Kind of. Presumably- he's fallen off our radar a bit because he's not playing as much as he was last year for, well, I can get Bucker, not Bucker, but similar thing. Guy who got uh, kind of the reverse of Bucker and that this is a guy who played a little bit early in the year, got injured and is now, but not injured reserve the rest of the year. I think it was an ACL. It was something nasty. It's kept him out for the year. I don't know, Scott. Scott's coming back. I think you're going to have to kind of give me this unless Scott's been screaming the answer because his mic what, went out again. Tackle? Yeah. Yeah. The one that I put in the chat, that's Spencer Brown. No. Oh, you put it in the chat. Oh, it's not Spencer Brown. No. Oh, all right. Well, I got it wrong. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, who is it? It is uh, for those of you who are fans of the Halloween movies, Tommy Doyle. Evil dies tonight. Tommy Doyle uh, against New England last year. Uh, last touchdown of their 
the Bills eight touchdown, seven touchdown, however the hell many oh, touchdowns they yeah. scored game. Okay. All right. 2019, I was very cognizant to not give away this answer when we were addressing John Matrix's question. Um, Bills turned special teams rebuilding project over to Young Blank. Seattle coach Pekel recognized Blank as coaching material while he was playing. Blank spent his final Seahawks season on the sidelines after suffering a serious groin injury. Rather than reaching an injury settlement with him, Carroll opted to keep Blank on the injured reserve list and use him in a coaching mentoring role for the special teams. Now this guy is now the special teams coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And has a Bills connection. And he does. He's While well, he was, they turned special teams over to him. So you're looking at the guy who was coaching the Bills special teams from when he was Hired in 2019 to a certain moment in time, and now he's a special teams coordinator for – we might see him again next week. Can you remember the Bills? And I'll look in the chat here in case Scott uh, – Scott. It's not no. Bobby April. Nope. No, I do not remember. All right. Crossman. No, Crossman was almost Danny? too – Crossman was almost in this day in Bills headlines too, but I like not to compete him. All uh, right. I'll move. I'll give the answer because I don't think you guys are close on this. Heath Farwell. No. Heath Farwell, responsible for the uh, 13 seconds debacle. Uh, and I was trying to. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. We're going to heat up with this one. 2017 report. Bills interview blank for OC. Blank has long been viewed as a bright young mind in the NFL, which helped pave the way for his interview with the Bills. He spent six seasons in the NFL as a quarterback following one of the most decorated careers in college football. Well, that would be Ken Dorsey. It would be Ken Dorsey. Hilariously, didn't get the job, had to go back to being the QB coach for the Panthers, interviewed with the Bills two years later for their quarterback's coach job and is now offensive coordinator. So took him an extra five years, but he got the gig he interviewed for eventually. All right. 2010. Blank rebuilding more than his knee. Rarely does he like to discuss his personal game or pat himself on the back, often deflecting credit to teammates or coaches. So it was only natural to understand Blank's reticent nature concerning his rehab from a torn ACL suffered in week two of this past season against Tampa Bay. I'm on schedule and I'm happy the trainers are happy with where I'm at. He said a promising first season back at offensive tackle where he played his entire college career at Virginia Disappeared as quickly as a puff of smoke, and the long road of rehabilitation was soon to follow. Now, I will note, less than one month after this interview, this 26, 2006 fifth-round pick retired and chose a career in politics instead. Ed Wang? Not Ed Wang, but yeah, he was a round pick of that time. I will give the hint, if Lars is listening, he's he knows I'm legally obligated to give this hint. Uh he uh, was a classmate of Jam and Jeff Days at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. If only there was a podcast I could keep listening to <laughs> that would have helped me with that. Um, uh, tackle 2006, got into politics. Uh, I'm going to say. Uh, oh, right. What's that? Ross Tucker? He's, no, but it, it you almost rhymed it, so you had me you had me thinking. And there are three versions um, of the movie Clue, and one of them, this is the character that, that did it. Um Ross Tucker, so I'll say mother <laughs> fuck. Um Ron DeSantis. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Yes, famously a classmate of Jam and Jeff Colonel Mustard. All right. Colonel Mustard. I it was actually Butler. The Butler did it. Brad Butler. 
Brad Butler. Butler. Ah. All right. So it's been a struggle here to start, but I think you're going to get a clean sweep the rest of the way. That's my prediction. 2009, Blank repeats his offensive MVP. Blank captured almost 50% of the vote in the BuffaloBills.com fan award online poll and had more than twice the support of his next closest teammate in the voting, Josh Reed. No, how the hell was Josh Reed finishing second in any poll of Bills offense? That just says a lot about the Bills. When you watch him play, he just loves to play, likes competition, likes the challenge of it, said head coach Dick Duran. Gives you everything he's he's got on every snap. He's very much a team-oriented player. I can't say enough about the guy. Except say that in Dick Duran's voice, which would be much less enthusiastic. 2009 offensive MVP. You guys can get this. Stevie Johnson. No, but good guess. It was right before his stretch of three straight years of 1,000 yards, which I think the first one was 2010. Two years. Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, the 08 and 09 Bills offensive MVP. All right. Buffalo Bills. 2002. End of Blank's brief and ill-fated career with Bills appears imminent now. Donahoe reiterated that Buffalo will not offer Blank a long-term contract extension, still prefers a deal that allows the team one more season to evaluate him. The indications are that Blank won't accommodate the club with that kind of contract. Uh, is this the tweener? Defensive end linebacker that played about six games and never, I hated forever. <laughs> no, it is not. What was his name? Uh, I can't think of him either. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like a truly awful pick from Penn State. Oh, was Maben. it? Was that it? No, Maben, Aaron Maben. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was free Maben. Okay. Uh, definitely a big name and, and not not a not an under the radar name. I'll say that. Is, was this was this um, was this Pat Williams when we were trying to? No, no, but another good guess. Even more high profile. Oh, uh, it's um, it's the tackle, the seventh round tackle. Uh, J, J, not Jason Brown. What's his name? Oh, um, no, Jason no, Peters, after... not Jason Peters. A couple years no. before this. Yeah, Peters, Jason Peters. Yeah, Peters. Okay. Yeah. Peters was done. Okay. So this, I will say this is someone who got a big four year deal to be with the team after having one game where he shined uh, with another team, and then. Uh, lost the job to a guy who wandered around another football league for a while uh, and then kind of regained it, but was never super consistent at it. Fabulous. If I give um, the position, it's going to give it away. That is another. Rob question. Johnson. Rob Johnson. There we go. I knew we would get there. All right. 19. Ooh, this is a hard one. Yeah. All right. This will get, it'll get easier now. Uh, except for the 1995 one. Good luck when we get there. All right. 1998. All right. Blank and Kelly uh, huddle. Uh, let me, I frame this. Uh, ignore ignore what I've just said. I don't know how I wrote this headline. I think I fucked it up. But it's basically Blank and <laughs> Kelly to huddle. Uh, the coach says Bill's line culprit for QB's poor 96 finale. Ravens coach Blank said he plans to talk with former Buffalo Bills quarterback Jim Kelly next week about the possibility of returning to the NFL in a Baltimore uniform. Blank, back in Baltimore after he and his staff coached the North Squad on Saturday's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. His watch tape of Kelly during 1996, his final season with the Bills. Jim said he felt he could still play, Blank said. Part of his problem in that last year was the Bills' offensive line was not a pro-caliber line. Uh, he thought we had a good line here. I, I didn't know this at all. I didn't know. I, never I remember story. Yeah, when this came out. And obviously, uh, Jimbo did not come out of retirement. Um but yeah, I remember I'd say I'm getting some Ravens coach, but this is this day in Bill's headlines and what Ravens coach might have been able to get in Jim Kelly's ear and at least get him to consider this. 
Well, he would have to have a Bills connection mm-hmm. and probably on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. So it would was it Ted Marchabroda? It was, was Ted Marchabroda. Good good power. Yeah, production. I I was only unsure. I was only unsure if he was the a coach for them. Yeah. That, but I that was my guess. Ted, Ted was going to be mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. We podcasted on Tuesday instead. That was the day he died. So it would have been just death in Bills history. Yeah. Um, all right, charming. Yeah, indeed. Nineteen ninety five. Bills leave blank, comma John Davis exposed. The Bills have placed two starters, nose tackle blank and offensive guard John Davis, on the list of unprotected players for the NFL expansion draft. Uh, these players are eligible to be taken by either the Carolina Panthers or Jacksonville Jaguars in the draft on February 15th. The presence of blank 30 and Davis on the list is not a surprise. Blank, slowed by injuries and carrying a $1.5 million price tag for next season, may not be that attractive a selection. The Bills felt his performance did not justify a salary last season and would not mind if he were taken. Imagine a 30-year-old not being worth a million and a half dollars <laughs> in the NFL now. Like you you can't even you can't even get in the door for that. Okay. No. It's it's um, crazy. Yeah. Seven years is he's played seven years with the Bills and he uh, being offered a million and a half dollars. Started at nose tackle on all four Super Bowls. You you could at least keep you would keep a guy for death like that any day of the week, I would think. But not in nineteen ninety five when salaries were different. Right. So the nose tackle. Um, no, God damn it. He isn't. He is the Tecmo <sighs> Super Bowl nose tackle. Yeah. Uh, also, former director of the CIA, George Bundy. Ah, did not know about his his alias. Hopefully you guys can hear me walking around because I try to get to 250 steps this hour and meet my Fitbit goal. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm I'm, a, I'm all for you. If he was a good CIA director, you wouldn't be. That's right. Good point. Uh, let's put it this way. Don't give me the wrong answer. Give you the Jeff Wright answer. Oh, Frank got where I was going with that. Jeff Wright is correct. All right. Last one, guys. The decline in return of blank. This is a long-form New York Times article from 1992. Immediately after he was cut by the Los Angeles Raiders in 1989, Blank called six other NFL teams, but only one, the Philadelphia Eagles, invited him to try out. Blank packed several suitcases containing clothing for about six weeks, confident he would nail down the job. I went in and ran a couple of low 4.4s, Blank said. I met with the offensive coordinator, and he went over a position I was going to play, and they were going to sign me. I was all excited. We met for around an hour and 15 minutes, and they showed me the playbook. After me and Buddy Ryan came downstairs and said, we don't have a spot for you right now. As he lugged his luggage back to the airport for the return trip to Los Angeles, Blank didn't consider the possibility, but Ryan may have saved Blank's career. Okay, so was going to be an eagle. Mm -hmm. Ends up being a bill. Yep. It says in 1989... Uh, he eventually signed with the Buffalo Bills, and now in his third season with the Bills, in his 14th overall in the league, he's experiencing the rebirth of a once brilliant career that was tarnished by scandal in Green Bay and left to wither in Los Angeles. That would be James Lofton? It would be James Lofton. I'm so yeah, excited about Green that. Bay it, gave it's it hedging away. my disappointment that I did not get my steps in before the clock hit uh, the top of the oh. hour, thus ruining my streak. But that's fine. I can sit down now and stop pacing. And now we've completed uh, this day in Bill's headlines for January 19th. Happy birthday to my friend, Kathy, thank- whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, Kathy. And thank you again, Paul, as always, for doing this day in Bill's headlines. You are welcome, mm-hmm. sir.
Okay, so now we get to the part of the show that everybody is excited about. Uh, we are going to do our, our Bengals and Bills preview. Um, just a reminder for our hosts, we don't actually pick a score in the playoffs because we think that, like, obviously we only want the Bills to win here, mostly. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> but there's no need, no need to put a name on it. But Scott, Scott has done something that need, he needs to explain for himself. And I believe it's – I'm going to put Scott on the on the spot here. Scott, if you could go ahead and – Tell the audience what it is you've done to this fine show. Yeah, no. So I'm trying to think if have we done this before? I'm trying to think if we, if this is a precedent breaking thing. We, we had a listen. We had a listener listen once. That was it. So this it, is going to and, and we had we have had Cassidy from Bills and Beers on. Yes, yeah, that was the other one. Other Bills fans on, but we've never actually had an opposing fan on the podcast before let alone for a playoff game, but because um, for a variety of work reasons and important (laughs) political uh, deal-making as part of the national security of the country, it's important for me to bring on uh, a a good friend from the office, Adam, uh, who is a Bengals fan, and will be joining us to discuss this part of the Bengals and Bills game, um, and he'll be able to, to talk through a bit with us. So Adam, say hello to the people. Hello, and uh, thanks for having me on. You know, it was actually a coworker who suggested that, uh, you know, I come on and, and have this discussion. And I was a bit, uh, well, very reluctant because I've never done a podcast before. Um, but then I, I went and I listened to one of your, your guys' former shows, um, the one before the last, you know, Bengals-Bills game. And what really won me over was all the, um, you know, 90s and early 2000s professional wrestling references. Yes. <laughs> that, that and the idea that, you know, if I sucked, you guys could just cut me out. Yeah, no, we, uh, I mean, there's, yeah, no, um, I was going to say that you, you had never done a podcast and I thought perhaps what you were going to say is you'd listen to ours and realized we hadn't either because we definitely have had our, our days and uh, we will, we will, we will bring you through this as gently as possible. But I, one of the things I want to pick your brain about Adam, and maybe you could start with this because usually the three of us have done a cursory intro or a review of the other team, um, specifically ones that aren't in the AFC East. And we have some sense of how good they are, but we don't really know the ins and outs of the team because, you know, we're not professionals. We're not doing this for money. We only have so much bandwidth. Um, so it'll be nice to have a, um, a Bengals fan perspective. I think I can safely say everybody on this show has like tremendous respect for the Bengals. I, you know, they're, they're obviously a very good football team, and we were all looking forward to um, the Monday night game, uh, obviously before that was canceled. So I would like your your sort of take uh, on, I guess, just on the Bengals season and where they are now. And I guess since you're in the boat with us, um, if you have any thoughts about watching the DeMar Hamlin thing unfold, I'm sure you did, or at least got up the next day and read about it, because I know you're ahead of time like Scott. Uh, that was a really weirdly... Uh, just to give you a heads up from my perspective, like it was an intimate thing here where Bengals fans were stopping me with my Bills hat here in Virginia, and we would have a little chat about what had happened. And so it was, a, it was a, as you know, a very startling thing. So I'm going to turn it over to you to just sort of like, what's going on with the Bengals? And if you have thoughts about Demar Hamlin, go for it. If not, you know, ignore that part. Yeah, sure. So it's it's been an, uh, a down and up season for us, really. Um, we started out 0 and 2, and a lot of people really counted us out. Um, and you know, there were a lot of Bengals fans who were quite skeptical of you know how are we going to turn this around. 
Um, we just had this – we spent all this money on this new O-line, and Joe Burrow comes out and gets sacked seven times in the first game against the Steelers, uh, another you know few times in, in the next game against the Cowboys. And uh, there, was a feel, there was a very uh, strong sense of dread in Cincinnati um, after those first few games. But, I mean, they turned it around. Like, the, the O-line really gelled throughout the season. Uh, it was kind of amazing. Um, and now, at, at this point, you know, we have the, the longest winning streak in the league at, at 9-0. and And I know the Bills have the winning streak in the league at 8-0. and um, So this is, this is a bit of the clash of the Titans coming up. And, you know, everyone, like you said, everyone was looking forward to that Monday night game. And um, I, you know, as, as with Scott, we're, we're quite a bit – um, ahead of, of the uh, time here. So that was a bit late for us. Um, I had just gotten back from the States because it was right after Christmas. So I was still a bit jet lagged. So I actually woke up in the middle of the night and I looked at my phone and I had all these crazy messages um, from my friends who were actually at the game. And so I, I just, you know, threw on NFL Game Pass and I saw, you know, the, the ambulance on the field and it was just, it was absolutely wild and and a horrible feeling, you know, because you don't want to see, you know, you don't want to see anybody like that. Um, so I, you know, I sat there and I, I was just watching, watching the live feed on, on um, Game Pass and just constantly trying to refresh Twitter to see what was going on there. Uh, it was quite a scary moment for everyone. And, and it's, it's really great to see that, you know, DeMar Hamlin was able to pull through and everything and, and it's feeling better now. But to me, like, it feels like the Bills and Bengals have, already had this weird bond i mean you have the 2017 you know mm-hmm. playoffs where uh well not quite mm-hmm. the playoffs but mm-hmm. where you know we, we had yeah. that crazy fluke where we beat the ravens we're always happy to beat the ravens um and yeah. and sent sent the bills to to the playoffs there and the bills fans were so awesome and kind of con- sending all that money and and to um andy dalton's uh charity and everything that was that was fantastic yeah. um i think we're very similar you know, organizations in terms of we're, we're kind of like relatively small markets. Um, neither of us have ever won a Super Bowl, but we've been there a few times. Um, and we're both, right. in, we're both in divisions with kind of bigger teams who might, you, you might consider sort of NFL favorite teams. You know, they've got each of them have six, six rings, which they constantly uh, remind us of. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yes. You know, at the end of the day, no matter who wins this game, I'm going to be cheering for for the winner. Like if if Cincinnati doesn't make it, which, you know, I think they will. Of course, I have to. Um, You know, I'm I'm going to cheer for for Buffalo to to pull through. You know, that's you bring up a lot there because with um, Dalton and then eventually Tyler Boyd, too. I remember there was a concerted effort to, like, make sure that we hooked up Tyler Boyd with some money, too. But that was really the beginning of a lot. That that was sort of the beginning of a lot of the kind of Bills fans doing charity, you know, like that was for a good thing. But then it really became like, oh shit, Lamar Jackson like busted his ankle. We're gonna we're gonna donate to him, and, and so it was really nice because I think up and until that moment, it really was the alcoholic jump through a table thing. <laughs> like that was the segment that was most famous for Bills fans, and this other segment like really capitalized on it and it became good and there is definitely a sort of like uh brother from another mother feeling with a lot of Bengals and and bills fans i i definitely noticed that online and 
again, like another thing is like they've built a very nice club, right? Like one of the, you know, you are certainly entitled to, to believe that the Bengals uh, are going to win and uh, nobody on this podcast is going to tell you they can't, um, you know, even though we're going to kind of be believing the other thing. Uh, you know, they're, they're just, uh, they, they've sort of got, done the, the same thing. They've, they've built a nice O-line. They have defensive talent. They have wide receiver talent. And they, they really, you know, Joe Burrow, I think one of the few early picks in the draft, uh, you know, at the top, you know, he didn't go the Sam Darnold route or the Baker Mayfield route. He really sort of seems to be the goods. And um, he's exciting. I feel like we should give uh scott a chance to jump in or paul paul if you let's do paul because scott did the big intro paul uh why don't you go ahead and get us started with your thoughts on a any of that and b um we should probably get into a little bit of the game preview and you know what we think the bills can do well and what the bills are going to struggle with and 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 that kind of stuff but why don't you go ahead and, and get us started with that if you could Yes, absolutely. And uh, again, welcome to Adam. And we'll have to get your take later on whether you were a WCW or WWF slash E guy in the late 90s, nearly two. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Frank and I are on different sides of that that particular debate. But yeah, this is this this is going to be a slobber knocker, just to go along with the theme of of what we're we're discussing with pro wrestling. These are two. It's so funny that seven or eight months ago, if you'd asked. You know, who are really the three teams in the AFC to be concerned about? You're going to get Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs with the answer is the answer. And here we are, and no surprise at all. You know, nothing has changed. I guess the Jaguars being alive is a surprise, but uh, they, they certainly could have said Kansas City. I don't see that happening. Uh, but this game, we all predicted a close game uh, on the last podcast before these two teams played. You, they, The proverbial uh, battle of the trenches will be key here. I know it's cliche to talk about that. You can, you know, there's of course concern on the, the Bengals end uh, with Jonah Williams being hurt with Alex Kappa being hurt and both of them being hurt uh, in a very ill time uh, before they're about to go to Buffalo for the divisional round of the, the playoffs. And that's going to hurt. It will help the Bengals slightly that the bills are Von Millerless uh, at, at the point and will be for the rest of the season. So, you know, that might bounce out a little bit. The Bills don't really have a big pass rushing threat without Miller. They've got some guys who can get to the quarterback periodically, but no one who's been a traditional closer like Miller. That said, I would expect the Bengals to probably implement a, a quick passing game, try and get Burrow to get the ball out of his hands quickly, which they've had some success at doing in the past. Uh, the Bills do have a very good secondary, though, so we'll see what they might have in store for Joe Burrow. And then on the other side, as far as the, the preview goes, there's going to be another battle of the trenches. I think an area where the Bengals can overmatch the Bills uh, is up front with their, their defense against the Bills' offensive line. Spencer Brown has really struggled for the Bills in the last few weeks. The right tackle, uh, pro bowler Deion Dawkins, has been up and down a bit this year, uh, but he's played fairly well. But still, you look at this Bengals pass rush, you look at the fact that the Bills will probably be trying to throw the ball a lot, though they have had more success running in recent weeks. I think, you know, as, as every uh, analyst over the age of 70 would tell you, this, this game is going to be won uh, by the big guys, by the guys up front. And I think that's going to, you know, be really be the narrative of this game. Well, it'll be there of this game among those in the know. Everyone else is going to talk about Burrow and Allen because quarterbacks are <laughs> you talk about. But I think with what happens up front, it's really going to be the key to 
to winning this game. Awesome. Um, Scott, why don't you go ahead and build off of that, and then we'll give Adam a chance to respond. And I will save my comments for last, as my as is my privilege. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I think Paul hit it on the nose. I mean, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's those two guys, and then Lyle Collins, I think, was the other, the, the third guy on the Bengals' offensive line. I think this is a... You know, it, it. I don't. I. I think it'd be a much more interesting matchup if it was both sides fully healthy. And yeah, you had the Bills had Von Miller and the the Bengals were had their full kind of line up front. But that's not where we are. Um, I think the Bills have. I think going off Paul's point, I think the Bills have shown that like our defensive line can do okay against a bad offensive line. And I think we'll find out exactly how bad the Bengals offensive line will be. You know, with with potentially three new starters and. Um, so I think I think that is that's I think Paul's 100 percent correct there. I'm going to quibble a bit with like the Bills have a great secondary point because uh, it seemed like there were some guys running around open in that Miami game that the Dolphins with a third grade quarterback managed to score 31 points in. Yes, defense had problems and we talked about that uh, before, but uh, I'll say like the, um, the the secondary is concerning to me on the Bills side, especially with with the big receivers that Cincinnati has. Um, I think. As long as we're able to just kind of tackle them, like, like they're going to get their yard. Like, let's just tackle them. And, like, that's been the thing in some of these Chiefs games in years past where it's like, you know, Hill catches the ball, but then we don't tackle him and he can't, we can't get to him. And I, I don't think anyone on the, the Bengals is quite as fast as they tell, but that's not saying a lot because he's like the fast guy in the NFL. But, you know, Jamar Chase can still do that and break open. And so we need to make sure we're attacking well on the back end. And then on offense, I think the one, the big difference for me in this game is that I think Allen, um, you know, he's got to, you know, again, the, the Dolphins game was instructive. Like he can do some great things, but if he makes bad decisions, whether it's choosing when to run or choosing when to pass, he can lose us the game. Like he can lose us a game against a good team, and, and he could do that this weekend. I, I think hopefully he, I, I, you know, part of me wants to think that maybe some of that was like Mar Hamlin was back in the building last Saturday. He was jazzed up, and, and they, they got out to a big lead, and he stopped caring as much, and they, then he got up in his head. We've seen that happen before. Um, I think hopefully with this Bengals game, and he'll be more focused, um, I think his mobility is his advantage over Burrow. And in a battle of two quarterbacks who are kind of running for their lives a bit behind offensive lines that aren't quite up to the task, um, hopefully Allen's mobility will be the difference in that he can pick up some and the key third and fourth downs as the game gets into the second half, and that's enough to get the Bills kind of off. Awesome. Okay, Adam, uh, you've heard a bunch of stuff. What do you think? <clears throat> yeah, so, um, yeah, so when we were preparing for, when I was thinking about this podcast, you know, I was talking to Scott at work, and he said, you know, think about, like, matchups and what works and what doesn't. And so I kind of grouped it in, in the good, uh, the bad, and the potentially ugly from kind of a Bengals perspective. And okay. I think the good, the good is, is so to piggyback kind of, of what Scott was saying about the Bills secondary. And I think the, the Bengals just have, we just have such a great core of receivers. I mean, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, like those, those guys are amazing. And then you add into the mix, Trent Irwin, who's kind of emerged this year. It's been, and he's, he's been making some amazing plays as well. Um, you throw Hayden Hurst into the mix. He's been doing, he's been a, a big target for Burrow as the tight end. And I, you know, I think, I think they're going to be able to move the ball pretty well. Now, especially if Micah Hyde doesn't play, which I, I don't know if, I know he's active, but I don't know if he's No, he's not going to be able, he won't be back for this game. They've made, they've already said that. Yeah. 
Oh, well, that's that's good news for me. Right. Um, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the bad would be kind of the opposite side of the coin and that, um, you know, obviously Josh Allen is, is an amazing talent at quarterback, has a huge arm. And the Bengals have – we've been beaten down the field um, a few times this year, including last week where, uh, you know, Ty, Snoop Huntley had that great throw down to Demarcus Robinson who, who just – destroyed Eli Apple on that, on that route. Um, and, and that's kind of where our, our huge weakness is at the moment. Um, Shinobi Awuzie, you know, our other amazing corners is, is out for the season. Um, so I think that's a matchup that the Bills can certainly take advantage of, whether it's Steph Diggs or, or Gabe Davis. Um, so that's kind of like the bad angle for us. And the potentially ugly, and, and Paul brought this up, is, is the O-line situation now for us. And, uh, you know, Scott cited Lyle Collins. He was the first one to go down. And then the last two weeks against the Ravens, Alex Kappa went down and then uh, Jonah Williams. Um, so we've got, you know, three backups in there at this point. Um, but they are guys who started last year. And, you know, that was a famously terrible offensive line. Um, but we did get to the Super Bowl with them. So there, there's, there's a chance that they're okay. Um, but it could also be a lap salad in that it's going to be really messy. It could be really son messy of, for us. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> He's off Uh-oh, the podcast like... for editing him out. <laughs> I feel like something happened. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but, I mean, I, the other side of the coin is, and, and I think Paul mentioned this earlier, is, is, is you know, Burrow getting the ball out quickly and and – and uh, being able to get rid of the rid of the ball and maybe check down, and he's gotten a lot better at doing that this year. Last year, uh, not so much, and that's part of the reason why he took so many sacks. You know, the difference is like last year he was it was like two point six two seconds. That was the time to throw average. This year it's down to two point four nine, and he has the third best sort of uh, pressure percentage in the league at, at twenty six point six percent of dropbacks. Um, so mm. the, the line has been able to make that pocket for him, and he's been getting the ball out quicker when he's been pressured, and he's been quite elusive. So this could be, like I said, a potentially ugly situation, but um, there's there's a chance that, that the Bengals line does hold up a little bit, and, and Burrow keeps you know getting those checkdowns out and getting the ball out quickly, and uh, it's not so terrible for us. Awesome. I, you know, I think that's fair because I think that's where I was going to focus on it too was there was some question about why the Bills didn't get home on Skylar Thompson as much, um, which I think we talked about a little in the, in the intro to this podcast. Um, but the, the idea was that maybe they, they, um, they had decided they were going to let Skylar Thompson throw the football and they were just going to make sure the running lanes didn't get open that they weren't going to get beat beat on the ground and they were just going to let that happen. And I think that you're in a different position with, with um, the Bengals, no disrespect to Joe Mixon, but I think you want Mixon doing more than Burrow in this case, as opposed to the other way around. If you had to pick your poison, that's the poison you want to pick because Burrow and the passing game is exceptionally dangerous. And they're certainly going to look for their opportunities. Uh, Scott is absolutely right that they're going to, you're going to have to tackle. And I think that hopefully they have a bit more luck in getting to Burrow because disrupting there at the at the point of attack is going to be how the Bills sort of disrupt the the very potent Bengals offense. And I think we saw the beginning of a very hyped up and potent offense in in the game that that didn't get finished. And it was very clear that the Bengals were excited to play and had a lot of energy 
and had a lot of ability to move the ball on the Bills. I don't I don't think I would say that I thought that that was going to they were going to run the Bills out of the, the building. But, um, you know, they, they certainly were were ready to score. And I think that that's going to it's going to be something similar today. I would expect actually the game to come out a little tighter than that game. I don't know. I just have a feeling like the uh, the intensity is going to feel a little bit different. It's a little more butt clenchy when, um, you know, it's win or go home as opposed to, hey, let's just see who the best team in the in the league is. And it doesn't matter because we're all going to go to the playoffs anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there'll be a little more a little more of that defensively, though, they've got to they've got to get to Burrow um, and they've got to kind of frustrate him in a way that um, he's elusive, but he's not he's not Allen and he's not Mahomes. Right. I think if you're going to pick on him, that's what you'd say is like he's not going to be able to create as opposed to Allen, who almost seems to do his best thinking uh, uh, or at least does a thinking outside of the pocket, even if it isn't always the thought that Scott necessarily would want him to have. Um, <laughs> You know, and then and then for the Bills, it's going to be about it's going to be about offensively. It is going to be about uh, making the smarter choices. You know, it wasn't that he's not amazing in that Dolphins game. It's just that there were smarter choices that were available. You know, Um, he made great throws all over the place. His elbow seems to be working fine. And hopefully he's got that out of his system because this is going to be much closer to the Chiefs game of last year uh, than anything else where, you know, it might be who has the ball last you fully expect this other team, uh, the, the Bengals, to 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 be able to put on a clinic, and you better be prepared. So I think the good news is they usually are prepared, and uh, I would expect, um, and and I'm sure Adam can agree to this. I'm sure it'll be an exciting game. However, this shakes out, I really don't think that it'll be a letdown from either team personally. I think that they'll kind of everybody's going to do their their level best, and I bet there'll be adjustments. And I wouldn't read too much into the first ten minutes of the game and. I might not even read into the too much into the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter, the way these teams can score. So um, there you go. We'll find out what happens. I want to say thank you to Adam. Adam, do you have anything you, you want to talk about your latest book that you've written about the Bengals or any of the other typical stuff we say to <laughs> guests at the end of a show? Or um, are you online anywhere that you yeah, want people to find you so they can? That. Yeah. <laughs> any no, big projects? No, not, any... not at all, actually, but I, I... <laughs> no i do 100 percent agree with with what you just said i think it's going to be a really tight game i'm looking forward to it uh unfortunately for us it's a bit late over here um and especially unfortunately for me um the there's a Bengals uk group over here and they're having a meetup down in london uh for the for the playoff game uh naturally it's eight o'clock you know nfl games are what three three and a half hours Right. Uh, so I'll just miss I'll just miss the eleven o'clock train back, which is the last uh, like mm. good train, which about fifty minutes. So I have to take the midnight train back, which will oh, get me back here around. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> the slow yeah. boat. The slow boat from London. <laughs> exactly. Well, I yeah, exactly. I, where else can you get you know train tables for London on a podcast? But maybe next year. I mean, I'm just thrilled the bits. <laughs> This is why people come to the podcast. For this maybe podcast. next train. Yeah, maybe I'm our other podcast. Come back on and, and talk about you know English train tables as well. Absolutely. Well, I I hope yeah, you Scott. get to. I hope. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> no. Yes, we'll have to have Adam. But I we, we should we should. Wrap I, up. I, I know we're getting... Yeah, I was just gonna say I hope you do have a a, a fun opportunity to watch the game because I we there are Bills UK groups that look like a lot of fun. Um, but they are all in London. And so um, I, and, and whatever 
inter-office bet results from this or stakes are played, we'll, we'll be sure to, to air them out uh, and then the next podcast, hopefully, and we'll find out you know, that you had to do all of Scott's uh, paperwork or vice versa after this. But actually, thank you again. Actually, Frank, okay. Frank, on that note, can I can I say something real quick? Are you on sure? That. No, no, he can't. Yeah, Cut his mic. So I know, like Scott and I, we agreed earlier. Like the bet would be, uh, you know, the loser has to win, has to wear the the winner's jersey. Okay. Um, but I wanted to ask Scott if he wanted to make it a bit spicier. Jeez. Oh, Ooh, on the spot. And, and, and maybe. <laughs> Like the loser has to either sing or do a dramatic reading of the the winner's fight song. So you mm. could, you would you would have to do the Bengals growl, and I would have to do I guess the the Buffalo Bill shout. Yeah, the shout song. Like um... Scott, I, the the gauntlet has been laid for Scott in front of the dozens and dozens of maybe next year fans, <laughs> and so. What I want to know is, are you gonna are you gonna embarrass yourself, or are you gonna take Adam up on this? My my honor my honor precludes me from denying such an honorable uh, challenge, and I have zero uh, expectation that I'll have to worry about whatever this rinky-dink little chant that Adam uh, Adam's uh, favorite team, oh. what are they, the Bungles? Is that what they're called? Um, <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to. I'll, everyone have to worry about it because the Bills are going to win this game, and so Adam will have to be worrying about how to do the shot song. And I'll look forward to coaching him through that uh, in his uh, sparkling red Josh Allen jersey on Monday. <laughs> fun, Very good. Fun, 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 fun thing. Okay. Well, the the challenge has been accepted. We will we will look forward to the results of that. Um, but I, it's time for us to go. So thank you so much for listening, everybody, and thanks again to Adam. And along with Scott and Paul, we want to uh, thank you just for, for listening to the show. Uh, you can find us, MNY Bills, on Twitter. That's the only thing we look at anymore. If you have emailed us or gone to the Facebook page, brother, you are in the desert, and uh, we're not coming back. So thank you so, again so much for listening. Until next time, uh, for Scott and Paul, I am Frank, and have a good night, everyone. <laughs>